And now, more Educate on TalkZone.com. Here's Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back. If you'd like to join our conversation, the phone lines are open, 888-463-6748. That's 888-GO-FOR-IT, 888-463-6748. We're taking your calls on TalkZone. My next guest is Richard S. Strip Sr. Richard S. Strip Sr. works with children with disabilities and is author of Mommy, I Wish I Could Tell You What They Did to Me in School Today, Everyday Atrocities Faced by Special Needs Children. His son, Richard Strip Jr., wrote the following. Over the last decade, Mr. Rick has turned his efforts toward helping children with disabilities. After many years, he has written this emotional and educational book in an attempt to use his experience as both a precautionary tale and a guideline for the future. Mommy, I wish I could tell you what they did to me in school today, has enabled Mr. Rick to become a voice for the voiceless. He has already touched, changed, and helped so many lives through his book. He hopes to continue to do so. Rick, welcome to the show. Thank you, Doctor. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to have you. All right, Rick, first, tell us what you do for a living. I work with special needs children. Um, I worked in school systems for over a decade um, as a uh, assistant and also as a personal aide uh, to children with disabilities. And uh, I left the school district about three years ago, and I've been working with uh, private families uh, ever since. Okay. Well, what has prompted? What have you witnessed that prompted you to write your book? Well, unfortunately, I witnessed uh, many things that I considered abuse. Um, and before I start telling some stories, Doctor, I'd, I'd just like to remind people that it's important, and I say this in the book, it's important to remember that the majority of people that work with special needs children in our schools are very dedicated and caring. So I just want to put that on the table you know, right away. I don't want people... Uh, leaving your show thinking that, oh, my goodness, I can't be sending my child with special needs to school because they're going to be abused. Um, it happens, but it, it's it's the rarity. It's not the norm. So I just wanted to, to say that up front. Um, I started working in uh, in a school uh, in a school district with children with special needs, and uh, there was a young man um, who was uh, considered aggressive and, and was hard to, most people found him very difficult to deal with, and he was actually sent outside of the district. And the superintendent of the district that I was working with called me into her office and asked me if I would be willing to work with this young man one-on-one because she was having a hard time finding people to work with this uh, child. Um, He would become aggressive and physically assault them. So uh, I agreed. and I actually uh, went to his house in the morning and, and rode on the bus with him. He had a bus that was designated just for himself. And I rode on the bus with him, and I had um, phenomenal success in working with this young man and uh, getting him to, to stay on task and, and do the things he was supposed to do. He was nonverbal, and he was considered autistic uh, along with uh, neurologically impaired. And the school that I... Uh, went to with this young man. It was a school that was set up strictly for children with disabilities, um, multiple disabilities. The school had children uh, with autism. They had children with cerebral palsy.
palsy, uh, Down syndrome children, spina bifida, just the, the full full range of children with uh, disabilities. Um, and at the time, there was approximately maybe 70 students in the in the school, um, and the staff actually outnumbered the, the students. But while I was at the school, I just witnessed um, so many children uh, being mistreated um, and abused. And uh, most of the children that this was happening to were children that were nonverbal. And so when I finally uh, left the school district, like I said, I was... I worked there for you know over ten years, but when I finally left, I decided that um, I had to create awareness uh, to this problem of children uh, being abused in school. And actually, before I sat down and wrote the book, um, the title just came to me one day. I was just doing something totally unrelated, and the title "Mommy, I Wish I Could Tell You What They Did to Me in School Today" came to me, and I jotted it down on a on a post-it note and just stuck it on my desk. And about a year later, I actually sat down and uh, decided to, to write the book. On the front cover of the book, there's a, a picture of a, a young man um, by the name of Adam, and he's, he's strapped into a Riften chair. And uh, the way that I've written the book, um, I tell the stories of 10 different children that I uh, worked with directly and uh, that I encountered. And I tell their, their stories first through my perception of what they would say if they could. And then the following chapter, um, I tell the story through my eyes, what I, what I witnessed. So the young man on the front cover of the book, his, his name is Adam, and that's actually his real name. Most of the children in the book, uh, I changed their names, but uh, Adam's mom and dad actually wanted me to, to use his real name. Okay. Now, now I, I can already hear my my guests saying, "Okay, can you be specific with regards to the atrocities as opposed to they were mistreated?" You know, can you give us uh, more specifics? Sure, sure. Um, Adam is an is an example of that. Um, Adam is a nonverbal young man. Um, he's on the autistic spectrum, and he's also uh, suffers from cerebral palsy. Um, I walked in his classroom uh, one day. And his teacher was uh, trying to get him to stand, uh, and he would not stand, and was pulling on his arms, pulling on his arms, trying to pull him out of, the, out of his chair. And the teacher kicked the chair away from him, and when Adam would not stand, she forcefully threw him on the ground. And I immediately intervened and, and questioned the teacher, and I said, you know, that's abuse, what are you doing? You know, you can hurt this child. And she responded to me that, oh, it's okay, he's wearing a, a diaper, uh, you know, that could cushion his fall. I said, I don't care what he's wearing, uh, you cannot throw a child on the floor. And that's something that I witnessed. Okay. Um, I, now, I, I, it, go ahead, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Now, in New York, we are, as educators, we are mandated reporters. When we see abuse, we are required to report it. Is that the same in where you worked? Uh, I worked, and I work in New Jersey. Um, yes, that that is the law. It's a law that is not followed. Um, actually, by by law in New Jersey. Um, by the way, if you hear noise in the background, I'm actually working with a young man right now who's nonverbal. Uh, he's on the spectrum, but he's in the living room watching his cartoon. So if you hear some laughing, that's what it is. <laughs> um, that's, that's fine. That keeps it real. Thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah in New Jersey, you're required. 
uh, by law, as you are in New York, to report abuse. And quite frankly, um, by not reporting it, you yourself, if you witness abuse that you know is abuse or that you suspect is abuse, you yourself could be charged uh, criminally. Um, but it's it's a, it's a law that's just just unfortunately not followed. And and I talk about that in the book too. For, it's not followed for for many reasons. Uh, uh, people are, are afraid. Um, against uh, being fired, um, especially non-tenured staff, um, most personal aides and uh, teacher assistants that would have the opportunity to report abuse aren't tenured, uh, and they're they're afraid. And I've had people tell me this directly to my face, that they're afraid to report abuse because uh, they need the job and they're afraid that they're going to be fired. Uh, they're afraid of uh, how they'll be treated by uh, fellow staff members. Um, and like I said, they just, people are need their jobs. And uh, it's it's awful um, that, that that happens, but it's, it's very common, unfortunately. Uh, when I wrote the book, again, I, I, I wrote it trying to create awareness. Um, I also started a, a Facebook page by the same name. And it's just amazing how common uh, abuse is um, of special needs children uh, in schools. Uh, I'm posting articles constantly from all over the country and all over the world, frankly, um, about uh, different incidents of uh, students uh, that are abused or neglected as well. Um, you brought up New York, you, you, you know, you, there's a, a, a young man in New York right now who's missing, um, by the name of Avante Aquendo, uh, who is a nonverbal young man, uh, with autism. And, uh, on October 4th of this past year, he, he walked out of his school, um, and he hasn't been seen since. And, and, and it's a situation where I believe, again, you know, this is my opinion, of course, but I believe someone wasn't doing their job. I mean, this young man, uh, it was right in his IEP, according to the news reports, it was right in his IEP that, that this young man was a wanderer and had trouble transitioning from class to class. And during the course of a, of transitioning, someone wasn't paying attention and he, he, uh, he wandered away. Um, and uh, he's he's still missing to this day. So, uh, that, you know, to me, in my opinion, again, you know, that's neglect. That's neglect on the on the uh, the part of staff. Um, now, 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 I'm aware because you shared with me that uh, when he when he soon after he went missing, you actually came to New York to assist in the search. Did you get an opportunity to uh, engage with his parents? Oh, very much so. We actually became uh, pretty good friends. Um, the uh, the parents, um, the mom, the mother, and the father of Avante are uh, divorced. Um, the father has uh, relocated to Florida, but he he came up, of course, when his son went missing. And uh, I spent uh, a week with them. Actually, I brought uh, my motor home, and uh, we parked it in the uh, right in the command center there, and uh, we made it available to the family. So I uh, I spent many, many, many hours uh, with both his mom, whose name is Vanessa, and his father, whose name is Daniel, and uh, we became very, uh, very close friends. Okay. Uh, Rick, I definitely want to get uh, deeper into uh, some of your experience experiences, but at this time we're going to take a break. And But stay tuned. We'll be right back with more right after this.
You're listening to Educate on TalkZone.com. Back to Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show and our discussion with our guest, Richard S. Strip Sr., author of Mommy, I Wish I Could Tell You What They Did to Me in School Today. Now, Rick, which I believe is what you prefer to be called. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <That's fine. laughs> Mr. Rick, uh, you, you started mentioning the structure of your book, how you first, uh, tell it from, I guess it's the child's perspective. Yes. Or, and, and then you tell it from, can you repeat that again? You tell, you then transition I, to? The, the, each child, um, has their own chapter. There's 10 children that I, um, <laughs> talk about in the book and the, the, in Adam's, I'll use Adam as an example. He's chapter number one. So the, the first chapter is just called Adam. And what I do uh, in the first chapter um, called Adam is it's Adam telling the story through what I believe, uh, what his perspective would be if he could talk. Um, Adam was uh, a nonverbal young man um, who... Uh, got to the point where he didn't want to go to school and his way of communicating with his parents that was he would hide his shoes in the morning or, th- or throw them in the garbage pail. And so I, I talk about Adam's day in school through what I believe he would say if he could. And then the following chapter is called About Adam. And then uh, I go on to tell the story from, from my eyes, from, from what I saw uh, directly and... and um, the experiences that uh, I witnessed Adam go through. And each chapter is, is uh, set up that way. Um, numerous, p- numerous parents of, of children who uh, are in the book um, contacted me and just praised me, saying that I hit it right on, that they know in their hearts that if their child could speak, they would say exactly what I uh, portrayed in the book. Well, give us... Well, let me say it this way. Let's tell us one of the stories briefly, not the whole story, but tell it to the two angles that you just mentioned, the child's perspective and then what's, what, what people observe. Give us, give us a, a, an example of that in a, in a story format. Sure. Um, I, I'll start out with Adam again. It starts out, I can't believe that my mom is making me go to school again today. Doesn't she know that they don't want me there? Doesn't she love me anymore? Um, and then you hear his mom chime in, chime in, you know, Adam, you hid your shoes. This Again, this isn't funny. It's time for school. And Adam responds to her, I know it's time for school, but, you know, I don't want to go. That's why I hid my shoes. And then he goes on to say uh, about the bus ride into school and how uh, when he gets to school, he gets dragged off the bus and that he has soiled his uh, uh, pull-up, um, Adam, uh, wasn't able to toilet himself at the time, um, and how he had soiled his pull-up, and they just, he goes on to say how they just strap him into this chair every day, this wooden chair, and they just leave him there until he's completely soaked through, um, and then they yell and scream at him, and uh, he he tells uh, the, the things that happened during the, the day, um, how sometimes the, uh, the staff would uh, throw his lunch in the garbage, um, because he wasn't eating it quick enough and things like that. And then uh, at the end of his uh, chapter, Adam says as he's getting on on the bus that the uh, the teacher yells to him, you know, why don't you do us all a favor, Adam, and just stay home tomorrow? And Adam responds, um, you know, uh, 
I would like to stay home, but my mom keeps finding my shoes. And uh, so that's that's how it's done. And then I go on to tell about how I, when I first met Adam, um, I was in the school again. With, uh, I was a personal aide to another young man who uh, everyone found difficult working with, and I worked very well with him. And I happened to see Adam uh, being pushed down the hall. And this, the company that makes the chair, by the way, is called the Rifton Company. It's a it's a very good piece of adaptive equipment when used properly. Um, unfortunately, in Adam's case, it was mainly used for restraint, which even the Rifton Company itself on their website talk about that that's not the purpose of the chair. But anyway, so I was I was walking down the hall, and here's Adam being pushed down the, the hall in this chair. And I just introduced myself. I said, hi, I'm Mr. Rick. You know, what, you know, what's your name? And the assistant that was pushing him uh, told me his name, and he just lit up like a Christmas tree. The expression on his face, he was just so happy that somebody was interacting with him. And he began to flap his hands and, and uh, get all excited and make noises um, and just big smile on his face that, that someone was interacting with him. And uh, so I talk about in the book the different things that I, I witnessed. Um, another time when he was being pushed down the hall um, by an assistant, as soon as he saw me, I said, hey, Adam, how you doing, buddy? And he just big smile on his face. And so I stood right in front of the chair, and I said, give me a high five, Adam. He gives me a high five, and I said, you know, that's what's so beautiful about you, Adam. You have such a beautiful smile. And the teacher assistant, now Adam was nonverbal, but he could hear and understand everything you said. He's a very intelligent young man. The teacher assistant responded to me saying he has a beautiful smile. The teacher assistant responded by saying, there is absolutely nothing beautiful about this child. Mm. And just pushed him down the hall, and that is just cruel. Just I mean, what a what a cruel, cruel uh, thing to to say to someone, um, to anyone, especially a, a child with uh, special needs. And I, and I talk in the book too, doctor, about traps that uh, some staff members fall into, and that's one of the traps that I talk about is people make the mistake of thinking that if a child is nonverbal, that they don't understand what's being said. Uh, to them and, and around them. And uh, I used to correct staff quite often to be careful what they say around a child. You know, they, they talk about the child's parents, how they must be awful parents to send the child into school filthy or something like that. And, you know, these children are, are fully capable uh, of understanding what's, what's being said to them. i, I got to bring up something. I, I listened to your show last week, Doctor, and uh, one of the things you spoke to your guest about was qualifications for teachers. And one of the things you guys said, which to me was amazing, you said that just because a person has all these qualifications, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're effective and have good interaction with students. And, and Absolutely is, not. Yeah, and, and when I heard you guys say that, I made myself a mental and a physical note to, to bring that up because that is so important, especially with, uh, with children with, with special needs. Um, I have a son who's a, a teacher um, in New Jersey, he, and he teaches a class of uh, students with autism. And he has his uh, bachelor's degree in developmental psychology and his master's degree in special education. But he'll be the first one to tell you that, you know, even having those degrees, it really doesn't prepare you properly for when you get into a classroom uh, with children that, that have uh, severe uh, special needs. And um, it, it, it's a shame, but uh, that's the reality of it. Yeah. Now let me let me ask you because we we only have a few minutes left. Um, 
And I agree with you wholeheartedly, and thank you for listening to the show. I, what I'm trying to do with this show is is bring research and bring what's real uh, to the general public, because oftentimes what we experience as educators, they never get to see. Um, and also the way it's couched in the media may be very limited. But what do you believe is needed to protect children from abuse and neglect in the future? Okay. <laughs> thank you for asking that, because that's a very important part of my book. First of all, training is, is, is essential. If an individual that's going to work with a student with special needs, any student, but especially a student with special needs, if you do not understand what is involved with that student's disability, you're never going to be able to properly and effectively and appropriately work with that student. And again, I hate to bring up Adam, but you know, Adam has autism, and one of the traits of autism is flapping his hands and and um, moving his head back and forth. Well, that upset one of the people that worked with him to the point where they would restrain him and hold his arms and hold his head, which would just send him into a meltdown. From he, All Adam was doing was displaying a trait of his disability. So if you don't have the basic understanding of what a disability entails, you shouldn't be working with that child. You know, Restraining a child who's flapping his hands and moving his head because he has autism, to me, it would be the same as, you know, mistreating a child that can't walk, you know, and yelling at him for being in a wheelchair. So that training is, is, is number one. Number two, I believe um, that there should be uh, cameras in, in, in any part of the school uh, where uh, special needs children uh, occupy, whether it be the lunchroom, the the cafeteria, the gymnasium, the outdoors, the classroom. And, of course, in the bathroom, you can't have cameras, but I think they should have microphones. And I also believe that they should have webcams where parents of these children um, had a passcode that at any time of the day that they could punch in a code and take a look to see what's going on in that uh, child's classroom. And if that were the case, and if the people that were working with these children these children knew that they could be watched at any time, 95% of the things that uh, I talk about in my book would, would disappear because there was no way that these people would do some of these things um, if they were being watched. And now, could, could, sorry to interrupt you, but could part of the issue be funding? I had worked in, I was director in, in a past, one of my many past lives, of a school for special education, specifically for children who could not be housed in regular school districts. And one of our biggest issues is we couldn't attract uh, high-quality staff because we, the, the, the agency paid virtually nothing. And it, you know, and it was so it's hard to keep good staff, and it's also hard to attract good staff. So oftentimes you have those who are the least of who you would choose working with the most demanding of students. Yes, unfortunately, doctor, that's another situation where you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, money is is uh, is definitely an issue. Um, that they, uh, when I say they, sometimes school districts hire um, aides and assistants at, at at low salaries and uh, don't give them benefits and don't provide any training. And the old expression, you get what you pay for. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and unfortunately, though, it's at the children's expense. And, and we have to find a way as a society to, to make that stop. Um, that's, 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 working, that's... working with special needs children isn't, isn't a job for, for everyone. And sometimes children act out, and you should never take that personally. Um, I've been punched, bitten, kicked, 
it's it's not personal. They're yeah. all all behavior is communicative, and they're trying to tell you something. And if you take it personally and lash out, you, you don't you don't belong there. Rick, um, Rick, that's probably that's probably the, the the best place to end. Right with right with what you just said. Um, we've been speaking with Richard S. Strip Sr author of Mommy, I Wish I Could Tell You What They Did to Me in School Today. The book is available online and in bookstores by request. Visit his website, mommyiwish.com. That's M-O-M-M-Y-I-W-I-S-H.com. Rick, thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you, doctor. It was a pleasure and good luck to you. Same to you. Thank you. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening to Educate with Dr. Jefferson. Tune in next week as we continue to tackle the truth behind schoolhouse doors.